Mention Christianity versus witchcraft and negative images of the burning times, the Salem witch trials, and outbreaks of religious hysteria among superstitious people come to many people's minds. It's here where we need to dispel the Hollywood image of the old crone of fairy tales, such as in Snow White and The Wizard of Oz. There's no doubt that many of those executed for witchcraft in the Middle Ages were innocent victims of gross superstition. Such terrible measures are to be condemned as being in complete opposition to both the Spirit of Christ and the clear teachings of Scripture. Individuals came to me and said, well, see, it's Puritan laws that would have put people, put the witches to death the way they did because they just copied the law out of the book of Leviticus. The interesting part about that is the very same laws in the Old Testament require that you have to have an eyewitness of a crime in order to put someone to death. And, you, and without two or three witnesses, you can't put someone to death. And witchcraft by its very nature is an invisible crime. Therefore, you can't have witnesses. Thus, the actual Puritans had said, it's one of those laws that you put on the book for the fear of God, but you know that very, un very unlikely will you ever be able to actually put someone to death for witchcraft because you can't see the crime. It was because the Puritans abandoned biblical law for nine months in New England that we had the Salem witch trials the way we did. If they had followed that, no one would have been put to death, even though there were two or three that were practicing in the occult. Interesting to note in the Salem witch trials, you talk about the fact that when you abandon God's law, and you take up man's law as a replacement, and not thinking the Bible has any indication for law, you pick up an hysteria. You're now guilty till proven innocent, and 10 of the 20 people put to death in New England were the leading Christians of that, 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 of that society. In fact, two of the older women were the leading prayer warriors in the town of Salem. So you're going to end up doing more harm than good when you abandon God's law. With that said, however, it would be wrong to dismiss the genuine instances of demonically inspired activity that history does record. Dr. Gerald Gardner, an anthropologist, spent the early part of the 1930s studying groups that practiced magic around the world. At the time, he believed that witchcraft, as it had been practiced by pagan Europeans, had been extinct for centuries. But in the 1930s, Gardner discovered a group in Great Britain that were still practicing the craft. Fascinated, Gardner was initiated into the coven, studied its rituals, and eventually became one of the foremost experts and advocates for the ancient religion. At the time of Gardner's discovery, witchcraft was, in fact, on the edge of extinction. There were no known covens in the United States and some countries such as England had laws on the books outlawing witchcraft. On the publication of his book, Witchcraft Today, Gardner began to hear from other covens throughout Europe which had also survived. He spent the rest of his life writing on Wicca and promoting witchcraft throughout the world. Today, Gardner is regarded as a grandfather of modern Wicca and the primary force behind its revival in the latter part of the 20th century. One of Gardner's followers, Raymond Buckland, 
was initiated into the craft one year before Gardner's death in 1964. He introduced Wicca into the United States during the cultural sea change that was the 60s. Buckland, like Gardner before him, believed that in modern-day Wicca, the rituals of the ancient religion had survived. What exactly, then, is modern Wicca? Who? Oh, what's that? That's like God? <laughs> no, man invented God. This is older than that. Do, do you guys worship the devil? <laughs> <laughs> it's like God and the devil. I mean, it's everything. It's, it's the trees, it's the ground, it's the rocks, it's the moon. It's everything. It's nature. No. If God and the devil were playing football, Manol would be the stadium that they played on. It would be the sun that shone down on them. The word Wiccan first appears in an early manuscript of an Anglo-Saxon scribe in the alliterative phrase Wiccan and Walkiri, witches and Valkyries. The word in Old English denotes both men and women using magic arts. Modern Wiccans claim that their name means wise one, and was the name of a matriarchal leader of a tribe skilled in healing, herbal lore, and magic arts. Although Wiccans deny using animal and human sacrifices in their rituals, they do admit that they pour out libations. Some female witches use their own menstrual blood in spells. Other witches may prick themselves and offer a drop or two of their own blood. But the only blood a witch has the right to offer is her his own. Do modern Wiccans view abortion as child sacrifice? To be fair, we must say that in our research, we have received literally hundreds of letters and electronic communications from Wiccans around the world. The vast majority of Wiccans and pagans deny that they have anything to do with human or animal sacrifice. They also deny that Wicca has anything to do with the abortion industry. Nor do they view abortion as a sacrifice of the unborn in their rituals. But all modern-day Wiccans freely admit that the modern religion is traced to ancient Celtic and Northern German people, the very people who practiced human sacrifice. Although the vast majority deny that they have anything to do with the practice of child sacrifice, Wiccans are hard-pressed to explain a growing number of witches who argue that abortion is a witch's prerogative. Starhawk is a best-selling author and a highly regarded voice within witches circles. She's also a licensed minister of the Covenant of the Goddess. Starhawk defended abortion this way. It is our encounter with the mysteries of birth and death that we meet the Goddess. So to take away our right to have that encounter through abortion, to face that often painful and difficult choice, is to deny a woman's deepest spiritual self. Susanna E. Budapest is a Hungarian-born witch considered to be the mother of the feminist spirituality movement in the United States. She founded the first feminist witches' coven here in the 1970s, the Susan B. Anthony Coven No. 1, which served as a template for other feminist covens across the country. 
A prolific writer, Budapest has provided spiritual justification for abortion and offered abortion rituals in her books. In The Grandmother of Time, Budapest wrote, Abortion is the prerogative of the Dark Mother. Dark Mother is an allusion to the life-taking aspect of the goddess that always accompanies her fertile, sensual nature. Budapest believed abortion is a woman's responsibility, making the choice of life and death as much a part of the goddess as her life-giving good nature. As one goddess-worshipping witch put it, the goddess who whets your appetite with sexual pleasure also whets the knife. Jeanette Paris is author of the books Pagan Meditations, Pagan Grace, and The Sacrament of Abortion. She's a witch who currently serves on the core faculty of the Pacific Graduate Institute in Carpentaria, California. In The Sacrament of Abortion, Paris writes, It is morally acceptable that a woman who gives life may also destroy life. Whoever kills a fetus commits a murder, which happens to be a fascinating and sobering acknowledgement of a biblical and scientific truth. It is not immoral to choose abortion. It is simply another kind of morality, a pagan one. One can occasionally resort to abortion when it is necessary to sacrifice the fetus to a higher cause. In the book, a woman is instructed to consider the reasons behind abortion. Paris asks, to what ideal or what set of values is she sacrificing the fetus? Her repeated references to sacrifice is purposeful. Her entire book can be summed up as advocating abortion as a sacrifice to the goddess Artemis. Historically, the goddess Artemis was worshipped as a goddess of birth and a goddess of blood sacrifice. Abortion as a sacrifice to Artemis, abortion as a sacrament for the gift of life to remain pure. The post office box of an aware woman abortion clinic employee, Veronica Jordan, was the same mailing address for the Open Circle, the Wiccan newsletter which recruited volunteers to work magic around the property of the abortion clinic. Why then does this newsletter recruit abortion clinic defenders and rally Wiccans for pro-abortion demonstrations? We see frequent Wiccan bumper stickers appearing on cars of abortion clinic workers. The goddess is alive and magic is afoot and in goddess we trust. One high priestess of a witch's coven explained her support for abortion this way. It is only in maintaining full control of our bodies that we maintain our full empowerment as priestesses. Access to abortion is truly a witch's issue. In other words, this high priestess is saying that abortion is an essential part of sexual liberation, which is an essential part of the craft. In Power of the Witch, spokeswoman for the Witches' League for Public Awareness, Lori Cabot, extols the paganism of the ancient Celtic world, in which fornication, adultery, and homosexuality were normal. The mother goddess cult is presented as a joyous, playful, sensuous, peace-loving culture. 
Cabot describes the permutation of the mother goddess into an old crone and the horn god into a ravenous animal. Cabot's description closely mirrors the transformation of ancient deities from sensual sun gods and fertility goddesses into demons of ritual human sacrifice. Child sacrifice and abortion were practiced and were accepted as facts of everyday life, the necessary consummation of rampant sexual immorality. What we're witnessing today is a return to ancient fertility rites, when the gods and goddesses of fertility were invoked through ritual sex and children were the accepted human sacrifice to ensure personal and communal prosperity. We're seeing a growing spiritual justification for abortion, a thinly veiled cover for ritual child sacrifice. I'm Abigail Seidman, and my mother worked at an abortion clinic in Ohio from when I was 11 to when I was about 17. The staff there frequently wore, you know, Wiccan-style jewelry or clothing in the, you know, Wiccan, you know, sort of witchy-style clothing. The Wicca-style jewelry, goddess jewelry, that kind of thing. Most of the clinic workers wore some kind of goddess symbol or Wicca symbolic jewelry, you know, moons and stars kind of things. Um, goddesses, um, uh, Labrys, which is a double-headed axe, which is a symbol of lesbianism. That was a common thing that was worn. But um, as far as I know, the, the circle, you know, the, the coven or circle or whatever was the, the abortion clinic. That was the group. They did ceremonies together as a group. There was one woman who annually got pregnant every spring and had an abortion every fall. That was you know, a big sort of ritual thing that they all did. That's the first I heard about it. As I remember asking my mother, like, why, why is she getting pregnant on purpose if she doesn't want to have a baby? And, you know, why is she waiting to have an abortion until fairly late? And why does she do this every year? And my mother kind of didn't want to give me the full answers about those. And a lot of it was, you'll find out when you're older someday, when you've had an abortion, you can understand. A lot of people think the same thing I thought when I was 11 and saw occult jewelry on people. Oh, that's weird jewelry, or that's a pretty thing, or whatever. Learn what these symbols mean. Learn what these, if someone mentions the name of a goddess on something, learn who that goddess is and what she's associated with. Um, that's the best evidence, that's the best thing I can say as far as evidence. There were statues all over the clinic that I now recognize as being Ashtaroth, or there were dragons. Dragon symbology is very common. If you see this kind of stuff, that's, that's the evidence. That's the only smoking gun I can give you, is find out. You have to educate yourself, and then draw your own conclusions from the evidence. Tiamat was sort of a Mother Earth type deity, but with a twist. She was, um, she was the great dragon who the Babylonians said had created the universe, and then um, Marduk, the god of the sun and the light, killed her and used her body and blood to create the earth and all the life on it. And what I overheard in bits of conversation or had explained to me was that by, that by stealing blood from men, we were stealing men's power back by killing their children and by feeding the blood to Tiamat as Mother Earth, we would help her regain her strength and then 
eventually she would rise up and overthrow the male-dominated world, destroy the current world, and recreate a new world to be ruled by women, which of course would be the ideal. This was definitely a, you know, man-hating, women-only culture. They're the ones who are truly pro-abortion. Most people who identify themselves as pro-choice are, they're, they're really pro-choice. They're not necessarily pro-abortion. They just think abortion ought to be available as an option. These people, the people I'm talking about, this core of abortion-worshipping, goddess-worshipping feminists, believe in abortion as a good. They want more abortion, they want to encourage abortion, they think there needs to be more abortions, that we're not having enough, that it's not doing enough to be encouraged, that it needs to be celebrated. An example of the spiritual deception that so often leads to the trampling of the sanctity of life can be found in a newsletter published by the National Abortion Federation. It provides an account of their 1985 National Convention. One of the speakers was Carter Hayward, an ordained Episcopal priest who's been active for many years in the feminist movement. In her address, she stated, if women were in charge, abortion would be a sacrament, an occasion of deep and serious and sacred meaning. That an ordained leader of a church that supposedly represents Jesus to the world could describe child sacrifice as a sacrament or holy rite of the church without facing excommunication is a staggering illustration of the collective deception we are now facing as a nation. Several other examples are found in the December 1985 issue of Ms. Magazine, the undisputed leader of feminist publications. This particular issue was completely dedicated to exploring the new emerging spirituality in modern feminism. Much space was given to goddess worship or adulation of the various demons associated with child sacrifice, including Isis and Aphrodite. The central article in this issue of Ms. is filled with testimonies showing the gross deception that has already taken captive much of our nation, men and women alike. The feminist spirituality movement began to emerge in the 1970s and has become one of the largest sub-movements within feminism. It's amorphous, blending in a surprisingly smooth amalgam of radical feminism, pacifism, witchcraft, eastern mysticism, goddess worship, animism, psychic healing, and a variety of practices normally associated with fortune-telling. It exists nationwide and takes the form of large day-long workshops, small meditation groups, and even covens that meet to work spells and do rituals under the full moon. But to the women in feminist spirituality, witchcraft had an even more fundamental meaning. It's a women's religion, vilified by patriarchal Christianity, and now finally reclaimed. Today, we have given the demons of human sacrifice new names. Career, convenience, money, lust, self. But beyond this, we have come full circle. Today's rationalism has given way to a new feminist spirituality that honors these same demons, actually calling them by their proper biblical and historical names. 
we are witnessing an explosion of books, magazines, how-to manuals, websites, artwork, and the inevitable paraphernalia that accompanies the development of any organized religion. Surely it can be no coincidence that one of the hottest sub-movements within feminism that began to emerge after the Roe v. Wade decision is goddess worship, or that one of the primary deities that is being worshipped is Aphrodite, the goddess of child sacrifice. <laughs>